the, the study tonight is on the Holy Spirit. So we've been going through last few weeks on Wednesday night theology in the Bible, and um, it came tonight to be upon the Holy Spirit. And uh, Jeff asked me to do this one tonight. Well, this is what we've been doing in our in our Sunday school class for probably the last four or five weeks. So, Helene, Barry, I'm sorry if you're going to hear some of the same things tonight that you've been hearing, but um, we're going through the study of the Holy Spirit. Only thing is, what I've done in the last four or five weeks, I'm going to try to cram into about 45 minutes. Okay, so um, if if it, you know if you see the clock roll to 10, someone stop me or say something, or if I see you starting to fall asleep, I'll know. But um, hopefully you'll be able to read most of this as we go through. But Jesus in John said this to his disciples, It is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the counselor will not come to you, but if I go, I will send him to you. I want you to think about this for a minute, because I've, I've read the scripture many, many times, but when you think about what Jesus says to his disciples, these are guys that have spent some time with him, right? They know him fairly well. He's, he's telling them this right before, um, before crucifixion comes. So imagine you're one of his disciples, and Jesus turns to you and says, it's for your good that I'm going away. You mean I've been seeing you face to face for these last few years, and you're telling me it's good that you're going away. And then Jesus says, unless I go away, the counselor, and the counselor is also the Holy Spirit, will not come to you. Yeah. Why I, want to, why I want to open up with this verse is because Jesus apparently thought it was very, very, very important to his disciples to know, I'm going, but what you're about to get is better than what you have right now. That's what he's saying in this verse. So I want you to think about that. If I don't say it later, I want to go ahead and say it while I'm thinking about it. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, if you're a Christian... According to the Bible, the Holy Spirit lives inside you. Okay? And we're going to talk about some of his attributes and who he is in a few minutes. But in general, I don't think as Christians very much we value the Holy Spirit. Jesus said that it is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. And if you think about this, this verse should be really completely framed. I was listening to Charles Stanley a few weeks ago, and um, what he said, he was preaching on the Holy Spirit, and he said, it is not our responsibility to live the Christian life. I thought, hold on a second. That doesn't sound right to me. But he, he goes on to explain, it's, for one, we're not able to live the Christian life on our own. There's no possible way we can do it. That's why Jesus knew that in order for us to live the Christian life, we had to have the help of the Holy Spirit. He had to be here and dwell us. But I mean, when I've heard that, it's like, this is completely freeing. Because I don't have to keep trying to do something that I, I can't possibly do. All I need to do is, is, is pray, spend time reading the Word, spend time with God, and let His Spirit do what he wants to do in and through me. That's, that's all I need to do. I can't do what he wants to do in my life. It's all through him. 
So I want you to think about this. This is my son Gabe. And the past few weeks, we just ended last week, but I've been coaching soccer. And I love coaching these kids. It's eight and nine-year-old group of kids. And um, the, the cool thing is, um, when we practice, we will practice one, one day a week. And, um, you know, at practice, we would say, we would split them up into two, two teams and spend time with them. You know, if you're playing a defender, you need to stay. I'm going to assign you to either lane one, lane two, lane three, lane four. And this keeps the kids out of clustering the ball. If you've ever seen young kids play soccer, it's like watching a mob of, you know, this amoeba go all over the field. They're all around the ball together. Have you ever seen that? Okay. Well, this age group of kids, they're kind of at the ability where they can start comprehending, oh, if I'm playing defender lane one, that means I need to stay back here and stay on this side of the field because it might come in this area. Well, we'd go to practice, and by the end of the season, at practice, it's perfect. They're playing exactly their positions. They're staying where they're supposed to stay. It's great. Then Saturday mornings would come, and we'd go to play. And the, the game would start, and then here's this mob forming, and I'm yelling, Luke, get in your lane. And he's looking at me and like, I don't know what you're talking about. It's like we never talk about these things. Well, the reason I bring it up is because it hit me a few weeks ago. It's like, Jonathan, you do the same exact thing in life sometimes. And if you think about it, I mean, we, most of you, you're here on Wednesday night. Most of you are here on Sunday morning hearing the Holy Spirit speak through our pastor we spend time, you know, hopefully in quiet time and reading the Bible and praying. But are we really following the plays that the Holy Spirit is showing us? And it was, I was really convicted by my, watching my kids because I'm like, I tell you this, you know what to do. But then when game time comes, you don't follow through and do it. Francis Chan, in his book, The Forgotten God, which is all about the Holy Spirit. In his book, he compares it to, if you're watching a football game, the quarterback, you know, they do a huddle. The quarterback calls play. And and when the, you know, it, it would be weird if when they came out of the huddle, if all the players went and sat on the bench instead of running the play. That would be really strange if you saw... This group of guys huddled together, and then after they called the play, the entire team went and sat on the bench. But a lot of times as Christians, that's what we choose to do, you know, instead of getting involved. And um, I think sometimes it's because we've forgotten the Holy Spirit. We think maybe we don't need Him. We can do things on our own. We like to be in control, don't we? I do. I like calling my own shots. Sometimes if things are wrong or going hard in my life, I like to... I feel like I need to do something instead of just allowing God to do what maybe he wants to do in my life. God gave us the spirit so that we might change the world through his power. How do you think the church would look if we all began running the plays that that maybe came up in your quiet time or came from listening to our pastor on Sunday morning? What if we started running the plays? What would happen? What would happen to our church? 
just here, what would happen. I mean, it would be, I think, pretty cool to see things explode. And it's not that we're all not running the plays, but all of us aren't running the plays together sometimes. So what are some of the things, this is interactive at this point, what are some of the things we know about the Holy Spirit? And we'll start calling names if you don't answer. What? Part of the Trinity. Part of the Trinity. Okay. He gives us a power boost personally. What's that? He gives us kind of a power boost. Okay. He speaks what he hears from God. Yep. He intercedes for us. Intercedes for us. Mm-hmm. All right. So we know some cool things already. We're going to start flying through this, okay? So watch your time because I've got a lot of stuff to go over. Um, this lesson is something that could take a few weeks, really, so we're going to make it quick. But as we start going through these truths, I want you to think about how these truths should shape the way that you act and how you are. Francis Chan says this, We're all capable of studying biblical truth in a way that makes us smarter, but doesn't affect anything in our lives. In other words, we can go through these things on Wednesday night. They're great truths, things that we need to know. But if we don't, our lives don't change from it, it doesn't matter. On the other hand, we also have the ability to study in such a way that our lives are never the same because of what we learn. The end result of the study could be that you walk away knowing more about the Holy Spirit, or it could be that you walk away knowing the Holy Spirit, showing the people around you a spiritual life. Only a life lived in the power of the Holy Spirit can offer the world something better than what they have. This is a great book if you want to read it. I actually have a couple of copies with me. But who the Spirit is, attributes of the Holy Spirit, these may be familiar. So a lot of what you've already have said tonight or what you've heard others say, we're going to talk about it again. They may be familiar, but as we go through them, I want you to really think, how does this affect where I'm at right now in my life? So who the Spirit is. The reason I gave you the piece of paper we're going to go through these verses. We're going to hit a lot of scripture. So if there's verses you might want to come back to later on, feel free to write those down. But who is the Spirit? In Acts 5, verses 3 and 4, Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled you, filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and to keep back for yourself part of the proceeds of the land? While it remained unsaid, unsold, did it not remain your own? And after it was sold, was it not at your disposal? Why is it that you have contrived this deed in your heart? You have not lied to men but to God. So in the very first part of this, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit? And what does it say in the very last part? You have not lied to men but to God. So the first truth we're looking at is the Holy Spirit is God. I think sometimes we, we have this thought in our mind that, you know, hierarchy of things, you have God the Father, God the Son, and then the Holy Spirit. But according to the Bible is, they're all equal. The Holy Spirit is as much God as Jesus Christ is. And um, when you think about that, now we, we did a study a while back in class on, on heaven, and we went through a lot of things. It's like, what is it going to be like when you get to heaven, and for the first time, you see Jesus face to face. And it gives you it gives me chills to think about what's it going to be like to see this man face to face that 
that sacrifice what he did for me. But here's the astounding thought. God is inside me right now. I don't have to wait to go to heaven to see Jesus face to face to have an encounter with God. I'm a believer, and according to the Bible, God Almighty is dwelling in me. I mean, you have the creator of the universe dwelling in you. And if you have any fear in your life, hopefully that should help. That thought should help alleviate some fear maybe that you might have. But according to the scripture, the Holy Spirit is God. Matthew twenty-eight nineteen is another. It just backs it up again. Therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. So this thought alone, you know, if you if you have this confidence, does that change the way you're living life a little bit? Hopefully, a lot. You know, but that's pretty cool. The Holy Spirit is a person. 2 Corinthians 13, 14 says, The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Alright. So, it's like, how, do I, how does this verse tell me that the Holy Spirit is a person? This, this stool, if y'all were to come in tonight and you saw me having a conversation with a stool, you would probably ask me to leave. Right? And if I were fellowshipping with a stool, it's a nice piece of furniture, but if I were talking to it, you would think I would have a problem. Right? Some issues. Okay. This says we have fellowship with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is a person. I think so many times, you know, I know at least in my background, I've heard terms like get plugged into this power. It's not just a power. It's not just a force. He's definitely powerful. But it's a person that we have a relationship with and have fellowship with. Rather than using the Spirit as an energy boost or tapping into Him like it's an electric current, we actually can talk to Him, relate to Him, cooperate with Him, and make ourselves available to Him. So the Holy Spirit is also, not only is He God, but He's a person and He has a mind. According to Romans 8.27, And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. Ben mentioned this a few minutes ago, and we're going to talk a little bit more in a few minutes about how he intercedes for us. All right. This part, to me, worries me a little bit. But according to the Bible, Ephesians 4.30, Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed, for the day of redemption. He has emotions. Now, when you, when you say that, it almost sounds like maybe he's lesser of a God because he has he's an emotional being. But he's not. But what grieves the Holy Spirit? Sin. Yeah, it's... It's the sin that's in our life. And when you think about that, I mean, you know, I remember as a kid, and even now as an adult, the last thing I ever, one of the last things I ever want to do is for my, my mom passed away, but the last thing I would want right now is for my dad to be grieving because of something, I, some kind of hurt I've given him. 
or pain I gave him. I remember as a kid, anytime, you know, I got spanked. I definitely got spanked. That was before things changed where the timeouts were the way to go. Um, and we actually do spankings at my house, so I'm just letting you know. Um, <laughs> up, up to a certain point. CJ hasn't been spanked in a few years because he could beat me up <laughs> at this point. <laughs> but, um, but, you know, I, I remember the times I would get in trouble. And while I did not like being spanked, it always did hurt me more when I saw that my parents were upset with my behavior. And when you think about what the Bible says, we upset God when we're sinning. And that comes from doing, whether it's doing things or not obeying what he's telling us to do. Either way, it works both ways. But if we're in that kind of, you know, activity or lack of activity where it involves sin, we're upsetting God. The Spirit is um, all-powerful. In Zechariah 4.6, he says to me, This is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, not by might nor by power, but my Spirit, says the Lord of hosts. It also says in the New Testament that it was the Holy Spirit, that the power of the Holy Spirit that raised Christ from the dead. That's a pretty powerful source, right? Again, let's go back. This is the guide that indwells us. It really, if, you, if you're a fearful person, it diminishes fear quite a bit when you think this is who we have with us at all times. He's all-knowing. 1 Corinthians 2.10, these things God has revealed to us through the Spirit, for the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. So, He's omniscient. He's also omnipresent. Psalms 139.7.8, where shall I go from your Spirit? Or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed a shield, you're there. So he's always with us as believers. He's all-powerful, all-knowing, and all-present. How do each of these truths affect the way we look to the Spirit? You're not going to get by with anything. Yeah. When you think nobody else knows, I mean, humans don't know. But he knows. But he knows. What's going on. Mm-hmm. What about if you're um, what if you're going through hard financial times? How do these truths help you? He's not aware of what it is that we're dealing with. Mm-hmm. And if he's, you know, if we also, if he's grieved, if he's an emotional guide, which is what the Bible says, and he's grieved with our sin, you think he's also grieved when he sees us hurting? No. 
absolutely. Remember, Jesus wept. I mean, so he he definitely grieves, and, and all of those things are true about him. So keep in mind that you shouldn't be trying to fully comprehend God because we can't. We're finite beings. He's infinite. There's no way to fully comprehend him. So the point is not to completely understand him. I mean, we want to try to understand him as much as we our minds can, can do that, but the point is to worship him in awe of who he is. That's the point of, of what we're going through. So, as we, what's the time? How are we doing? Oh, okay. For every item we go through, ask yourself, how is the Spirit working in this way in my everyday life? Or how might He do so? So, we're going to go through some things. We might pause a little bit on these as we go through. But this is where you can take your note page and maybe write some things down if you want. But the first, the Spirit helps us when we are in precarious situations and need to bear witness. Mark 13.11 says, And when they bring you to trial and deliver you over, do not be anxious beforehand what you are to say, but say whatever is given you in that hour. For it is not you who speak, but the Holy Spirit. Luke 12, 12, for the Holy Spirit will teach you in that very hour what you ought to say. So when we're in times of, of trouble, the Holy Spirit is there, like we said before. The counselor teaches and reminds us of what we need to know and remember. He is our comforter, our advisor, our encourager, and our strength. He guides us in the way we should go. Psalm 143.10, teach me to do your will, for you are my God. Let your good spirit lead me on level ground. Acts 13.2, while they were worshiping the Lord and trusting or and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So if you look at that first statement up above, that's almost like he's our comforter, our advisor, our encourager, our strength. It's almost like we have this, and we really do, it's like the coach. He's telling us the things we need to know. When we mess up, he's encouraging us to keep progressing and keep moving forward. And he gives us strength when we need it. I mean, he's all of those things. I love Psalm 143.10, teach me to do your will. And there's a few young people in here, coming. And, um, you know, one of the things I, I remember in high school... Um, my youth group, we were always talking about trying to figure out what the will of God was for our life. You know, so you make the right decision and you go into college and taking the right courses and so forth. And and it's like we we're always looking for God to just be, to write down somewhere or be blunt with it, like this is what you're called to do. I kept looking for that. God never told me, Jonathan, you're to put people in debt. <laughs> Even though that's what I'm doing. Um, but, you know, sometimes I think as Christians, and especially young, not maybe young Christians, but younger generation Christians, I think sometimes we look for what is the will of God. And the will of God is, is that... We're relying on the Holy Spirit, and if we're leading, leaning on Him, He's going to show us exactly where to go. And it, sometimes it's not going to be 
this is your occupation I have written down for you what I want you to do. Sometimes it's just doing the little things day to day and day to day where you're, you're going to his word and you're actually living your life according to what you're reading in the word because the Holy Spirit is speaking to you. And you're praying and you're communicating with God and you're, sometimes you just need to be quiet and just listen to what God is, is speaking to you. And it's when you come to church and you hear the pastor who's prepared the sermon has asked the Holy Spirit to speak, listen to what he's doing. And then it, it's going back to what we said before, running the plays. If you're running the plays, the doors get open for you automatically to be in the will of God because that's all we need to do is follow what the Holy Spirit's leading. We make it, we're the ones that make it complicated, I'm pretty sure, you know? From the Spirit, we receive power to be God's witnesses to the ends of the earth. It is the Spirit who draws people to the gospel and believers closer to Jesus. Acts 1.8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. So it's the Holy Spirit who gives us power to do these things. You know, part, uh, a few of us are going to Costa Rica in a few weeks. And while it's kind of neat to say that I'm, I'm part of that group and part of that team going, if we're not going and following what the Holy Spirit wants us to do, we're going of our own selfish reasons and for pride, right? If we're going to make a difference in kids' lives there, we have to be going, relying on the Holy Spirit's power to work through us and in us. And um, it's the same thing whether we're in Costa Rica or whether we're working in vacation Bible school here in a couple of weeks. Are we letting the power of the Holy Spirit work through us? By the power of the Spirit we put to death the misdeeds of the body. The Spirit sets us free from sin, which we cannot Get rid of on our own. Romans 8, 2, for the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. So, so those bonds that we were in have been erased if we're relying on the spirit. You know, even those that deal with, like we were talking about earlier, my father-in-law, it's hard to leave alcohol behind. You know? But the power of the Holy Spirit makes it possible. The key to all of this, though, is, is, you know, the more we try to do it on our own, the harder it becomes. And sometimes what we need to do with the Holy Spirit, was not sometimes, all the time, what we need to do with the Holy Spirit is raise the white flag and just say, I surrender. You do this for me. And, um, again, that comes down to do we want to give up control and let him be God and work through us? Through the Spirit, we have received adoption as children, which leads us into intimacy with the Father instead of a relationship based on fear and slavery. Romans eight fifteen through 16, For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. If you never had a dad that paid attention to you, let this be a comfort to you as we approach Father's Day. But you've got the biggest daddy of all. By the power of the Holy Spirit, sorry, I cannot read this on the white background. We abound with, 
with hope because our God is a God of hope who fills his children with all joy and peace. Romans fifteen thirteen. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace and believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. So the Holy Spirit offers hope. As members of God's kingdom community, each of us is given manifestation of the Spirit in our lives for the purpose of the common good. We all have something to offer because of the Spirit. 1 Corinthians 12, 7 says that we're given a manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. What does the common good mean? Right. It's, it's our body working together. The common good is bringing others into the body. But you know, we've all been given gifts from the Holy Spirit. And if you want to look at what the gifts of the Holy Spirit are, just read 1 Corinthians 12. It goes through what the gifts of the Spirit are, and it's really cool. And you know, you probably have, have read before 1 Corinthians 13. Call me dumb, because I grew up in church for many, many years. I know chapter 13 comes after chapter 12, but I never put the two together until just several weeks ago. You've got all the gifts of the Spirit being taught in 1 Corinthians 12, right? If you read 1 Corinthians 13, it lists the gifts of the Spirit and says that you can have these things, but if you have not love, it doesn't mean anything. So if you're talking about using the Spirit or the, the gifts of the Spirit, but you're doing it without a heart of love for others, without a heart of love for God, they're worthless. We are able to, to take on the characteristics of God only by the Holy Spirit. Galatians 5, 22 through 25. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. Think about your day-to-day as we go through this list. How many of these did you exhibit? Let's start over again. Love, joy. I lost out on that one about 9.30 this morning. Okay, <laughs> Just being honest. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Hardee's is coming up. Okay, <laughs> I'm talking to me. Against such things, there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. Those are, you know, if we exhibited all those things, fruit of the Spirit, people would like us a whole lot more than they do. <laughs> right? I mean, we would, we would look like pretty good people. But it's not about what we look like. It's just allowing the Holy Spirit to work in us. It doesn't mean that, you know, like I said, I, I know at 9.30 this morning, I, joy was not part of my description. So it doesn't mean we're going to be perfect. But it means if, you're, if you are operating by the Holy Spirit, hopefully you're not staying in the lack of joy for very long. You're moving on. The Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. How are we doing on time? We're about there, aren't we? Ten till. Ten till, okay. Romans 8, 26 through 27. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray 
for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. Have you ever been in the place where you're so either so hurt or you feel like you're so defeated, you just you don't even know how to pray to God? The cool thing about this verse is it says when we get to that point, the Holy Spirit is interceding on our behalf. How cool is that? I mean, that's kind of overwhelms me. But when we get to that point in life, the Holy Spirit is, is interceding. He knows. Would it, if we go back to the slide before that, yeah. um, would it be safe to say that we can't make believe it? Like, we can't make believe love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. We can't to make it true, but we can block it. But can we block the Holy Spirit by not listening? Yeah, I think so. Because, again, He's a person, and we have fellowship with the Holy Spirit. You know? I mean, Trish and I have been married many years, and we've had a few disagreements along the way. And when we disagree, our fellowship can be broken for a while until she humbles herself. <laughs> until I say I'm sorry. <laughs> Usually as the way it goes. But until fellowship is restored, you know, our relationship really is kind of broken. And I, I think that's the way it is. It doesn't mean, you know, Jeff is preaching right now on eternal security and you know, according to everything written in the Bible with the scripture Jeff is going through, we're not losing our salvation. But our fellowship definitely, when we're in sin, is broken with the Holy Spirit. Doesn't mean he leaves us, he doesn't leave us. But if we've turned our back on him. You know? So if we've got our back on him, these things probably they may not show up in our life. But you know, there's a lot of people that aren't believers that go through life. There's a lot of people I've seen a whole lot more joyful than some believers I've seen. It's sad. But if we're really, really allowing the Holy Spirit to work in and through us, these things should be showing up consistently. So, yeah, we're right there at the end. It's impossible for you to do these things on your own. And that's the point. It's impossible for you. And that's why God sent us the Spirit. If you want to see the Spirit working in your life, God tells us to ask Him and He will give us the Spirit. It's a matter of just knowing who Christ is, believing and having faith and becoming a Christian. Luke, in Luke eleven thirteen, If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? And if you've got kids, it's such a pleasure at Christmas time to watch them open their presents up. And even when you're out buying the presents, just imagining the joy that you're going to give to them. And this is, this is God Almighty that said, I want you to have the Spirit. You remember the first slide that we looked at, not the baptism, but the other slide that said, you know, Jesus told his disciples, it's better for me to go away and the Holy Spirit to dwell in you. 
So that's the gift that Jesus gave to us. And so there's a lot of scripture we covered tonight. Hopefully you go back and maybe take some time to study some of that on your own. But um, you know, the Holy Spirit is amazing. And sometimes Baptists, okay, sometimes we hear the term Holy Spirit and maybe we get scared off a little bit because it sounds a little Pentecostal. <laughs> Possibly. <laughs> Nothing wrong with being Pentecostal, by the way. <laughs> but sometimes we, we hear being filled with the Holy Spirit and sometimes we link it to something that might scare us away. But the Holy Spirit, I mean, it, it should give us comfort, confidence, remove fear out of our life. You know, I've heard Jeff say one time that God did not create us to live safe lives. So much truth in that statement. So, anyhow, thank you all for being here tonight. And um, we'll, we're going to close in prayer. And then they're probably waiting at Hardy's for some of us to show up. <laughs> And see if we can manage our self-control. All right, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for for the the gift of grace, the gift of mercy that you provide to us, Lord. We thank you for the gift of brothers and sisters in Christ that we can meet with, study your word with, learn with, and um, love on, support, and um, and help bring others into your kingdom. We thank you, Lord, for these people. We ask tonight that um, you would be with our pastor that you would give him the strength he needs Lord to to get the all, all the studying done that he needs to do help him to do well in any writing he needs to do or tests that he might be taking pray that you would um, encourage him this week Lord and Lord I pray that um, you will help this church Lord to be a light in our community may we not do it for the sake that we said that we do that we did anything or had any part of it, but I pray that we'll be a light to the community, Lord, because people need you. And um, I pray that you give us a desire and a passion and a burden to bring others to you, Lord. Thank you for the gift of your Holy Spirit. There is certainly no way we can go through life, Lord, without knowing that, um, that you're here, that you know all that's going on, and that you have all the power in the world, Lord, to heal any hurt we might have, um, take away any fear that we may have, Lord. So we thank you for that gift. Pray that you'll be with us as we leave tonight. You know, be with everyone the rest of the week. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you all.